is up, DGC? It is Scotty. Caught me in the middle of reading my new copy of Ethos Magazine, man. And you know who brought this to me? Copy. The inaugural copy, yes, brother. Yes, sir. Volume like one. Colin from Ethos stopping by, saying what's up, brother. Good to see you, man. It's great to see you. We yeah. hung out, talked on the phone a couple days ago, mm-hmm. and... There was so much just was great quick conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just good conversation. I was like, come on in. Let's bullshit about it a little yeah. bit, man. So uh, Ethos Genetics, your reputation precedes you, sir. Uh, you've got some great genetics. Some, Yeah, right. Some, it's been fast. Really? How, yeah, I mean. How, how long you been How long you been, uh, been doing this, I should say, as far as breeding? Exclusively just breeding seeds. Yeah. We didn't start till 2017. Jesus Christ, really? You guys hit the ground running, man. I had a consulting company called Ethos. Right. We did a lot of things. And then after a while, I realized that's what just what I wanted to focus on. So it took off 2016, not the whole year, but part of it just to focus on making seeds. And then we did our first, like, we, I was, I had seed packs that I was selling here and there. Right. Started in 2015, but it was far from a full-time thing. And at the end of 2016, I decided to go full time. We did a release of like 10 packs, I think, which was like, usually we did two. Right. In like January, February of 2017, it was enough to where like we can pay our bills. Sure. Or it was me. Yeah, I, I was going to just my, It was just me. Who's we? we at just, the time, who, it was me. Okay. So I was like, I can pay my rent, you know? Sure. And I think we made like four grand that, in that January. I was like, By the way, that was, for me, that was like the idea behind growing weed in the beginning was, dude, yeah. if I can cover my rent with this, man, yeah, you know, I can afford to live in a freaking house. Certainly when it comes to making seeds, because typically in a situation like that, you're using your space to grow product that would be sold yeah and now you have to just have seeds so a certain amount of those need to be sold then the i became a we i hired uh riley briner to be my coo it was like temporary for a few months as she was got to learn it and uh or part-time right and then june of 2017 i guess we like launched as a company and what's the like, ethos of ethos man <clears throat> raise the standards huh. i just feel like there are no standards i feel like there's a ton of misinformation that almost this entire industry is predicated upon and we need to like remove it like a cancer and change the entire ethos to where it's not difficult to find quality information uh not difficult to really um get say information about how do nutrients work but not be from a nutrient company sure you know, so what's some of the what's one of the worst ones? I mean, you know, one of the top you know lies or things that drive you crazy about this industry, bro science. It's it's so saturated that it's not to to negate some of it is even acknowledging that it has some validity. It's it, in the sense that it's a non-starter. A lot of things where okay, let's start with very basic. Why are we running from clone at scale? What other ag industry does that? None. Why? Well, you need a significant amount of space and personnel to take care of moms to then clone and have all this veg space and things like that. Hey, when you say at scale, you're talking 5,000, 20,000, 100,000 clones. Like, just give me an understanding of the problem. 20 to 50,000 clones a week. Jesus Christ. And so to yeah. do that, you would need, that's a lot. So 20,000 square feet of moms that are huge and uncontrollable. And, and moms, as they get older, the they also... Pathogen farms yeah. and pythium. So all the clones have pythium out of the gate. And so 
<clears throat> the answer to all of this is simply grow from seed. Just eliminate 80% of your personnel, all your veg space, and start from seed. But you got variability there, man. That's what we need to raise the standards. That's the only industry that has it. If you want hops, you can go get stable, consistent, homogenized genes. Right. That is our goal. And that is what we've been working towards this entire time. I'm working to about 10 varieties. Um, they're all end game varieties, because that is the end game, to have all of these checks all the boxes varieties. And have a homogeny where you can run seed at scale. We are running seed at scale um, to where it's not homogenized, but it's reduced variation, where it's all similar. Um, I'd say about 10 or 15 of our 100 varieties that do really well at scale, meaning there's no intersex traits. So, I just happened to pick up Commander Mike. He did a beautiful job of growing. Yeah. This is yours, right? The big Detroit Energy. energy. Yeah, Shout yeah. out to Michigan. Yeah. If somebody were to grow this or a commercial dispensary goes and grows this and gets, mm. you know, right. 100 packs, are they going to be able to put this on the shelf and it's going to look the same? Every no. jar? Not that one, no. Because that is a cross of what would be an F1. But you do have when the 10 varieties that you're stabilizing. That's the Correct. idea is Correct. to be able to have. And they're all related to these. And then also we're incorporating these, which are partially related. So we're doing these types of back crosses where it's a lot easier. If I hit that into one of its parents, it's going to be a lot easier to homogenize it into something. Um, so we have tons of varieties in our stable that are 50% related already. Or sure. Partially related, at least. Uh, we rarely bring in new anything anymore. Um, it just, it's, it doesn't really add value. We have a full palette. We have all the flavors. We have all the tools. So it's now just a matter of crossing what with what and then homogenizing the ones that we like the most. So what makes, uh, I'm, I love asking this question. Sometimes it pisses people off. Sometimes just say whatever. But uh, difference between a pollen chucker and a breeder. So. so I wrote an article about it in our inaugural <laughs> issue of Ethos. And what Beautiful. is the difference? So I'll articulate. And this is my opinion based on what's happening now. Sure, sure, this will evolve. So I believe there are seed makers, there are breeders, and there are distributors. Okay. Seed makers are, if you want to refer to them in a, a less, you know, quality term, pollen chuckers. Okay. But it doesn't offend a lot. You of can people. be a, a really good pollen chucker if you're really good at picking those males. You're really good at picking what you're chucking into. Sure. Like these are, I know these breed well. That's a much better pollen chucker than someone who's just taking cuts that have names and they, don't even, they haven't even tested them. Right. These are seed makers. There's also seed makers at a commercial level, like in Spain, to where they are sell, making, just crossing random things, not random, but they're making seeds for the distributors. This is where most seeds, especially through Europe, come from. Gotcha. There aren't really breeders. Like if you ask Sensi Seed Bank or Barney's or like who's sure. breeder, they're like, what are you talking about? They don't have a breeder. They buy wholesale seed. Right. So they're a type of seed company that buys from distributors. So these are all just seed distributors. So they're not seed makers or seed breeders. Correct. You're talking like Sensi Seed, seed Bank, Seeds Here Now, those right. guys, Neptune. Well, let's. there's a difference. So Sensi Seed Bank is a brand right. that they pay people to make seeds for them. Okay, I see what you're saying. You and look sell at them Sensi under their seed brand. catalog. It's Versus all... Neptune is a catalog of all kinds of different Got breeders. it. Got it. Okay. Most American breeders, at least the, the seeds that they're making in America, make their own seeds. So those are seed makers. Right. The ones who are breeding, by definition, are the ones who are then trying to take those varieties, isolate certain traits, and stabilize them. That's what breeding is. Sure. By definition. 
So you have a bunch of seed makers that go and produce your both. your, quali- your well, quantity. I, no, I no we everyone everything we do is internal always. Period. It always will be. Okay. I have a seed maker and a breeder. I will sometimes so like I just did a whole room was end game number three times twenty different varieties. Many of these varieties were related to the end game three, and these are for breeding projects, directional breedings that are going in certain directions. Got it. Several of these are just new F ones or R ones. We call them when it's a reversed female. Right. Where you're going to get variation. That's more for pheno hunting and things like that. Um, so I'm both making seeds sure. and breeding. You know, and I feel like the longer I get into this, the more I'm actually breeding. Because now I'm actually dealing with varieties that I've worked long enough where I don't even remember where the parents came from. And now it's just a matter of homogenizing these particular traits that I like. Um, but I'm a seed maker and a breeder. Um and occasionally, I, I definitely do some pollen chucking. <laughs> I feel like there are very good pollen chuckers out there. Sure. There are people who are awful at it and everything in between. And there's also people doing breeding. I just, for some reason, find that the seed makers are better at marketing than the breeders. Sure. Sure. They're better breeders at telling a story. There. Yeah. There's people out there really breeding, putting the work in. Sure. Coming out with one variety every two years, because that's how long it takes to work a variety. I prefer that than looking through somebody's well, catalog like and seeing Odie 50 Diesel, or 60 Like varieties. natural homegrown wonders. Sure. Like, you know, he's got like three or four varieties. And they're like distinct homogenized varieties. But he doesn't, you know, market it that much. And, you know, it's all word of mouth. Like, I'm like, I grow this. It was unbelievable. How much like, of this is marketing? When it comes everything. to, well, I mean, everything you pull out that crescendo, or you pull out. What say? So what is marketing? What is sales? Let's 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 break that down into simplicity. Telling a story. Sure. Okay. So building up from there, there's a lot of things that can make a story good. You make that story true, and it's compelling. It's going to be a lot better. So there's some people that can market or tell a story and sell seeds, but then the seeds don't necessarily live up to the story. Sure. That's not sustainable. You know, not as long as everyone's getting better. So my job is to tell an accurate story of what I'm doing, make it compelling. Sure. And when people get those seeds, it fulfills it the story up. that, they, yeah, they're like, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. That's just what the customer wants. They want, what does the pack say? All right. That's the story I want. That's the story I'm buying. Sure. They want, you know? they want it to look and like it does on Instagram. And then when you fulfill that story, it reinforces <laughs> that story. So it's still just telling stories. It's just some stories are better told. In other stories, some some stories aren't very believable. Some stories are too expensive, like five hundred dollars right. a pack. Right. I don't like that story. I have a good seed budget, but I'm not dropping five hundred on a pack unless I'm probably going to split it with like two people. Someone's going to hunt it, and we'll be like, "What'd you get out of it?" <laughs> you know, um, our story uh, was more digestible at sixty and hundred a pack. So I guess that we're doing, prices. yeah. Oh yeah, we've lowered, lowered our prices. Also, we're in six continents. You know, our biggest markets aren't the United States. Anymore. You didn't hit Antarctica yet? Shit's we're, blowing up, man. I swear to God, I'll show you emails where I was like, I want to hit Antarctica. Like, there's no reason to. There's no one there. Right. I'm like, can we just do it? To say we do it? Like, that's a huge loss leader. Like, you know, I'm like, it's fun to do it, though. That's um, awesome. But um, so I happens when you make pothead CEOs. So at 150 man. a pack, we were alienating 90% of our current customer base. And how much pack you said? We were at 150 to 200 a pack. And that's that's and higher end, huh? When I dropped to 100 a pack, our customer base increased by 5X. When I then split, I made five packs and 10 packs. So right. five packs were 60, 10 right. packs are 100. We picked up 2X instantly as far as new customers. Because in South Africa, you can't drop, you can't buy, like, here's something that I would see commonly. 
someone will be, ha ha, I want to buy all three packs in this drop. Mm. Uh, my wife's going to kill me, but whatever, I'm not, I'll do it anyway. I don't know which one to pick versus someone in the country. Like I can only afford one for sure. And I'm splitting with a friend. Like our, the dollar doesn't, is expensive yeah. in other countries. Yeah. So I wanted to make it accessible to people who didn't have that type of income. That's also when we did the multi-pack, not the multi-pass, where I'll do a whole drop in one pack. I just do a few seeds of each. So it's like, you want one of each, you can do that. You want three of each, you want 10 of each. So, and those are like, I mean, the male female pack, it's less than $2 a seed. And yeah. those are massively huge internationally, you know, cause it's about how much am I paying per seed and you know, there's value there. Sure. Um, but I would say it was, I was shocked at every time we lowered our prices. I assumed our gross sales would go down temporarily, eventually build back up. They would just go up right away. Oh yeah. Where I realized the people that were okay with the prices would end up just buying more packs because they had like a certain budget. Like I got $500 receipts. Yeah. And like, so they were buying three instead of, okay, I'll buy five. Yeah. Price and quantity demanded have an inverse relationship. This is the only thing I learned yes. in business school. Bro. Yes, they really do. <laughs> but that's a good thing to take out. Yeah. Uh, right. Business school. And, yeah, and buy low, sell high was another good one. Well, I wanted to, so I, this is what I try to also figure out. I tried to extrapolate what would see prices be in five years when people are able to produce at scale. Right. What are my actual costs and what can I get them out at, at a price that's reasonable and fair where we still have margins. And so I did this whole equation to come out with these you know, things. And so we have packs from 60 to 200, but 200 getting seven varieties in there and you're getting full packs of each. So yeah, it's all just that. one pack, you know, and you know, so save us some packaging. It's, it's <laughs> six vials or seven vials just in one pack. And on the label will be marked which one, a little card that explains each one. Sure. Um, that way you don't have to like wish you got the whole drop. I mean, that's pretty, you know, the only thing you could ask for more than that, if they were all femme, bro. We do, we do us. So they are. They are all femme. We have femme multi-packs. We have regular multi-packs. We have both. Like the femmes, you can get singles. So you can get the whole drop in one. You know, I, I, uh, here, I got a pack of Rasta Jeff femmes. He sends me. I love Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. I got some of his Lemon Jeffrey I want to show off to you too, as a matter of fact. Check that out, man. But, uh, I can get a 10 pack, no problem. This, what is this, a six-pack or a five-pack of fam? I'd so much rather have it. I was showing you the autos I was fucking around with. This has got the goat in it, huh? Yeah. 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 Goat just it comes through. Hey, you know what? Fuck it. We got a we got a bud cam. Let's do it. Guru, we got bud cam turned on. We got bud cam turned on. Just sit on top of that black lid with uh have you ever had his uh arise? Uh I have not had the straight up arise. Now I've had a rise cross. Like two hours. Yeah, he got I got a kind of it's got a little sativa kick in it, so it just kind of yeah, like, I gotta go outside. He, yeah, he's got the anxiety <laughs> yeah. weed. He tells me that's what he breeds for. Yeah, and uh, I, yeah. I smoked a, a blunt that was you know, had a lot of tobaccos, one of those Canagars, yeah, and I never smoked tobacco, and it gave me the shh between. That's why I don't. It makes yeah. me nervous and uncomfortable. Yeah, by the end, who were we hanging with? It was uh, the Canacrips guys, man. Yeah. And dude, by the end of it, they got they got me geeked out, man. I, I tried a couple, <laughs> and I was like, because you're trying to just not be socially awkward, right? But then I would just get more socially awkward because I'd be all nervous and sweaty. Yeah. I'm just like, I got to walk outside. Uh, <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. So I don't like, as the Europeans call them, the peers. I like a pure, you know, I don't use like tobacco papers. And, right. You know. Right. Hey, man, you said telling a story was what, what uh, marketing is. It's what sales. Okay. So marketing's part of sales. Sales is a story. Marketing is the story, but sales in itself. I just want to hear the story. Is telling a story. You know, so it's, 
What is the story? Well, so I want to know. Uh, our story is uh, grassroots build on the, you know, it's, we're not promoting retail culture. Right. Does that make sense? The culture we're trying to permeate and, and put out there is an educational, learning-based community where people can share information and get quality information that doesn't have an agenda. I'm not trying to sell anyone anything. Right. You know, like this, there's literally no ads in the magazine. There's not going to be any ads on our website that launches in January. Yeah, that um, cover is blank. <laughs> yeah, we left it blank on purpose as like... like Inside cover, man. Huh? That's because these are always ads. Yeah, right. So like in the template, it even shows like these are where the ads go. Like when, you, when you're when you shopping a magazine and sure. like, pr you know, print it's it. It's pretty cool, man. So I was like, uh, Ben, my... Thank you. I have this. I grow this, man. Super lemon haze. haze. Fuck yeah. So I love it. All by the way, all the origin stories of mine end with oh. Just so you know, like because that's the reality of these origin stories. Wait, yours this is you? Super lemon haze? Who's super lemon haze? No, not at all. But I do have an F5 that I made myself. I see, man. So you're telling everybody. So I was going over to Holland a lot in 08, 09. All right. And I was getting a lot of breeders' seeds. Um like I wasn't just buying packs from stores. I was getting like bags sure. of seeds. We don't ask each other how we got the seeds back, man. No, I, at the time you put them in your underwear and hoped. <laughs> yes. That's all. That was the technology. Yeah, you know, underwear. You underwear and like or the inside of your shoe. <laughs> like uh, you could put them like you lift up the inside and put ten packs stuff. Right. Um, yeah. What are you gonna do? Um, get it done. But that's like when the it was blowing up here and I was like, I should go get these packs. And it just, I started to get to know people over there. So it was fun, but super lemon haze. I've been told more than one story from people who were selling me these seeds directly on behalf of greenhouse. So like the person in the shop telling me a different story than the person right. selling me wholesale. Then the person who's actually making the seeds is like, that's not what this is. So that's why it always ends with origin stories with me. Like, cause if I didn't make them, it seems like there's a lot of BS out there. So you're gonna, origins. You're going to hate the next question, though, because you're from Florida. No, I'm not. You Florida. hung out in Florida? That's a messed up thing to say to someone. How, what do you I mean? I'm to, from I went Florida, to man. No, you I went, went to Gainesville, right? No, I went to USF. It's, uh, okay, no, I'm, I'm we from would Florida. Go to, we would go to, like, games at Florida okay. because we sucked at everything. So, like, we were all Gator fans. <laughs> so, so you're in Tampa. Um, yeah, USF. I'm, I'm yeah. from Florida as well, yeah. and there's a, a... I was there from 91 and 96. So what's up with the OG? There's a rumor that the OG was really Gainesville Green, that it came out of Gainesville. I don't believe that. Just because we were getting Gainesville Green before OG was around. Sure. Yo, definitely. I heard and it came from. It that's the rumor. Tell me. I don't know. I mean, what, I, I, I what do you know, know about OG? Is there a, do you have any uh, connection or do you have any? Uh, Genetically, what do I know? Yeah. What are, so I can tell you what the gene expressions and the, the genes tell me. No, there's no sexy story about Neville stole it from Robbie's girlfriend and then they took it here and then. I truly don't care. And I mean that. Like I've never <laughs> listened you. to a single podcast. Thank you. About any of it. Um, okay, good. Is it dank? Does it breed well? Sure. Right. Now, I do know that I did go to Josh D because I do believe the cut that he has. He's like, at least last man's, like he... I don't think he claims he bred it or anything, but that's his cut, which is the original OG Kush. Okay. And that's accepted by a lot of people in the industry that have been around, like, since before OG Kush. Like, right. Adam, Adam, like, people that have already talked to everyone. Right. Like, you know, he's a good source for that. Like, where did it really come from? And he might say, I don't know, but he's, he can also say it's likely this or this, and he's usually right. Um, Adam Dunn, that is, if sure. people don't know. Yeah, so I believe Josh D has what I would call the rights to that cut. And it's only maybe the only cut that exists. That I believe it matters like with our rights, 
because we don't have an OG cushion. That's on purpose. Uh, two reasons. One, commercially, it's not a great plant because it takes too long to flower and the buds are small. And once you start hybridizing it into something, it loses the essence that makes it so amazing. Right, right. But I do want to do an S1 of that cut. And I talked to Josh D about it and he's down and do something like that. And I'd probably just work out some sort of contract with him where you can get a percentage. For sure. That's just a respect within the industry. You know what I mean? If someone were to come to me and like, hey, I'm on a piece of this because I made these seeds and blah, blah, blah. It's just like. How does that work, man? Because you're working with other people. Nobody invented it. You're so working is, with everybody else's stuff. This is a conversation I had with Beth and Andy the other day. Uh, loving in her eyes, I was by like, the do way. you know why I encourage people to use my seeds to breed? They're like, why? I'm like, because they're going to do it anyway. <laughs> so I might as well encourage it. And then that way also they're going to say that it was mine. And I'll be like, yes. And why not? There's because two things. One, they're going to do it anyway. And there's absolutely nothing you can do. And they're going to build your brand. There's no, there's nothing any breeder can do. Once I've sold you a pack of seeds, they're yours. Do anything you want with. The only thing that I could do is enforce a trademark as far as a name. So I can say, and whether those seeds, it has nothing to do with the seeds themselves. Right. I could I could trademark, say, Mandarin Sunset in Colorado. And if someone wants to use that, I have to, like, okay it. So, but, like, as far as the seeds, the genetics, sure. there are no rights, and I don't believe there should be. And I feel it's super weird that a lot of breeders often have their own construct of this is how it's supposed to be. Sure. I'm like, yeah, but no one even agrees on how it's supposed to be. I feel like those are people just caught into like how it was when they were young and being brought up. I told that by someone and they just aren't able to pivot. The reality of it is, is people are going to use the tools they have. And if they like a cut and it's happy to be from your seeds, they're going to breed with it. So encourage it, <laughs> you know? And so I share it. And when I see people that have dang crosses that are from my stuff, I'm like, that's awesome. Because I changed my mind frame instantly, like from the beginning. I'm sure. Like, I already know this is going to be a thing. So let's just embrace it. And I think it helps really build the brand. Like, I don't think someone's, utter, like, Levin has pe a Peach Crescendo cross. That doesn't take away from my Peach Crescendo sales. If anything, it just validates that it's yeah. good enough to breed Crescendo's with. Crescendo's badass, yeah. she thinks it's good enough to breed with. Right. So, you know, I feel like it's a weird, fake battle that people are fighting. They're trying to keep other people from using their stuff. Yeah, it's a losing proposition, I too. I encourage it. I think that's the way to do it, especially with Instagram nowadays. Other people growing your stuff is the best way to advertise it, period. How do and you find? We're, that's what I, we had a really cool conversation about it. Loving it, yeah, loving it in her eyes. Beth, I hope she, I hope it's okay to say her real name, but her birth name. Her social security. <laughs> but Beth and Andy, it's a, a, just an amazing team of growers. I want to say Beth. They're the future of cannabis in every way, period. What makes them, and I'm not saying that just because they gave me a lunchbox full of delicious weed. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> what makes a good grower? I know she has some very specific Well, she uh, is a, she's qualities. a great grower. Great grower, yeah. It's her intrinsic talents that make her a great grower, but also great at everything she does in, in, in all, everything she does. Like, how about this? I've never, I don't know anything about you bowling. You go bowl her, I'll give you 40 points a game, and I'll take her at 1,000 a game all day. Wish I was good at bowling so I could take that I'll shit. I'll give you man. eighty. Huh? That's how good she is. I'm always so baked like, that I stopped using just the whole thing. Throwing three hundreds, like that's just nothing. That's just I don't <laughs> like being. But no, you're saying I she's golf using her, and like within the first year, to completely by the rules, she's breaking a hundred, and all of a sudden she's sniffing at ninety. I'm like, what is this? She's great at everything she does. She's great at engineering, building systems. Like it's not most growers are intuitive. We talked about this. Some people have intuitive oneness with their plants. They just get it. Sure. 
but also she can build the room itself and design it because no one else is going to do it as well as her. And Andy is her partner and all that stuff as well. And she's an artist at, at a level that I've, I've never known anyone as competent as the two of them as a team in anything, in any space, period. And just by the way, they don't have, they're not the ultimate boutique. They don't have every fancy bottle of nutrient in there. They're not falling for every gimmick. Uh, they're just good growers that can read the plants. What she grows with doesn't matter. She can grow with any, with any, you give her a two-part system. So, yeah. You know, she has an attention to detail that I've just never really been around. I did. I was, um, I, like, I really like when I understood the level of which, of how she grows and she grows and I looked at her on whiteboards with every single metric of every water in PPM oh she does everything Guru will you switch to the bud cam this is some all uh, these different things and just the her observations are of a level of detail I've never really heard from anyone but it's her ability to absorb new information and then incorporate that so like we can be in a conversation philosophically she just gets things she just understands it and then she's able to execute those things She's got a discipline that, once again, it's, it's far outreaches. And I know, but it's it's because she loves what she does. She's not like painstakingly working 12 hours a day. She's like lovingly work. Sure. What she want, it's what she wants. Working to with loving in her eyes. Well, she, so she breeds now, too. And, yeah, and, and is she affiliated or what's, how's that all work? Not directly. It's her own brand. But like we carry her seeds. Like when we go to, we do expos. Like we take her stuff with us. Right. And... You know, the relationship that we've developed over the last couple of years is is oh, yeah. mutually beneficial. You know, I've, I've been kind of, I told her that she Brand should breed because she's the best pheno hunter I know. And that's the number one skill set for a breeder. If you're like the best pheno hunter. So, yeah, I've been kind of. That's the skill? That's the skill. And how do you, yeah. how do you pheno hunt? You've got to have large grows. I mean, how can you, you need to have a lot of plants going to pheno hunt, right? At a time. Yes and no. So. It depends on the variety. So if you're doing an actual true F1 where two unrelated varieties, one's tall and fluffy and one's right. dense, mm -hmm. you need to run hundreds. But when you're running varieties that are already somewhat related, 30 to 50 on some is plenty, but you have to be able to grow to her ability to see all those micro expressions. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, you're, you're down to like five or six that are amazing. Tell me what you're looking for. When you, tell me what a micro expression is. You're a great breeder well, as well. Let, let's say you have Let's say you've run 50 females and, you, and now you're down to five or six. If you've grown them to 90% of their capability, they're all going to look very similar. She's able to grow that extra 10% of distinction. Right. Where that little extra is, you notice a, some blueberry in that one? You're like, just kind of, or, or something slightly more complex where if you're just growing with GH and that's it, you're not going to see those distinctions. Sure. And so it's the ability to not only like bring out the expressions, but then also observe those expressions and see what about them is that special. And that's through nutrition, you say, because you were just it's talking about. It's everything. There's not one particular thing. It's it's environment, it's nutrients, it's it's right. It's years and years and years of 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 dialing and techniques and learning plants and um it's a culmination of all of it. Man, we've been having this argument, a discussion lately, a debate. <laughs> environment or genetics if you were to put one up there man it's the number one most important uh, factor genetics, in your grow genetics period all right i win <laughs> now are you saying that you're going to just give it a crazy hazardous environment every day or no. it's like then genetics period but you can't uh 
you can't exceed the genetic capability of that plant. You could put it in the most you amazing environment. You can maximize the genetic potential. Right. And every genetic is grown different. Like every, genetic A and genetic B might have very different potential, different rooms. One might grow well in a certain system. Might One might be topped and trained more. One might grow really well untrained as a certain size plant. Right. Some do better outside. Some do better inside. So there's still a lot of environmental subjective variables. But some things just throw down, period. They're resilient, they're strong, they're vigorous. Sure. I don't care what environment you put them in, they're going to thrive. Versus if you have a messed up environment, although some genetics will thrive more than others, they're all going to push through to some extent. You can't sure. make it better than it is. Right. You can only allow it to get to as good as it can be. Yeah, and I mean, if you don't have enough light or you don't have enough CO2, you'll probably still get some dank-ass butt if it's good genetics. You just won't get so a ton of it. So proper amount of U-mole... Ventilation is yeah. not just circulation, mm -hmm. in, air in and out I did it, of man. the room. I, I've screwed up, made a completely is, sealed room, wondered uh, what the hell was going on. And the uh, air was just getting stale in there, man. You need to occasionally well, exhaust. They don't, people like, they just intake CO2 and produce oxygen. Mm -hmm. No, that's 3% like of what's happening with the metabolism of this plant. What about all the ethylene they produce all day? Mm -hmm which is a gas, yeah. which at a high level is a PGR. So you seal a room, you're literally giving it its own ethylene, which is used in like, um, if you are a Christmas tree farmer, sure, you can use ethophon to like stop mistletoe from growing, but also you can keep plants really compact with it and slow their metabolism, which a sealed room literally do. You're poisoning your plants Whoa, with the what it's breathing in and breathing out. So you just can't get rid of the ethylene. The ethylene is going to cause issues in the grow. It literally stunts growth. Huh. Well, and it doesn't matter CO2 or nothing. You still got to exhaust that shit out. Have a plant growth retardant building up all day in your room. By five, six hours, your room is filled with it. Right. It's also a poison. Huh. I have never thought of that before. Yeah, so. it's you can just Google it. Want to help me put a vent fan in a couple minutes, man? I like to have a turnover, <laughs> like one minute turnover if I can. I shoot for a minimum of five. Like so, five minutes if the room doesn't turn over. Right. That's not enough. I know scale rooms now that do like every thirty to forty seconds. Wait, turn complete turnover. Well, how do you get CO two in there then? They don't use CO two. Uh oh, man. Why? Uh, because CO2 is uh, the turbocharger, man. Only if all things are already correct in line. If you have the right temperatures, the right humidity, yes, it will enhance sure. the growth. But it's like, if you're sitting around on the couch all day drinking protein shakes, you're not going to get jacked. What do you mean? So it's My like, stomach got bigger. <clears throat> it's more important delicious. to overturn than CO2 at scale, for sure. It's uh, it's well, what I always tell people too. It's exactly what you're saying. Where if you don't have your environment completely dialed and you're right. dialed in on nutrients, everything good. Uh, CO two is going to cover some mistakes. You might get a little bit more yield, but it's not really making that much of a difference no, for man. you. Yeah, I'm just thinking about exhausting the room. I'm exhausting the room once every so fifteen minutes. Like I said, there's ventilation and circulation, so both. So sure. circulation is moving the air within the room. Definitely. Well, also at scale, that's very difficult. So if you have CO two. Um, and by the way, the CO2 that they do use comes from like these massive like CO2 heaters. So like. Oh, sure. Yeah. So sure. Like, the generators. Yeah, yeah. So the things that are running these like greenhouses or big rooms are often running on uh, propane and yeah, natural out gas some CO2. And a lot of But heat. it may it raise it like 10 or 20, maybe 30 parts per million. 
but it's more important to not drop below the standard threshold because having circulation and having all that CO2 properly distributed and you know you can vent on and off there's a lot of schools of thought but I would say maybe the first couple of weeks of flowering you know it helps a lot more uh, maybe a little bit in the veg you don't need as much turnover because they're not transpiring as much so right. not consuming as much not breathing as much right but it's all about you know actually testing the, the environment and so if you have buildup then co2 is is only partial compensation it's not necessarily um going to get to all parts of the room equally versus a perfectly vented room circulated sure. room is going to have enough to for it to maximize now once again you know the vp uh VPD charts sure the warmer the higher humidity the more co2 they can consume right so it's like well then you also have to figure out like well if we're turning the room over trying to lower humidity are we really using all the co2 when it's only 72 degrees in here no right so there's a diminishing return on how much co2 is being used now if you're in a smaller grow and your turnover is once an hour Right. Yeah, you should definitely use CO2. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And your levels should be correlated to how much those plants can use those that CO2. Last couple of weeks, not so much. Last, as plants are ripening, they're not metabolized. They don't want to metabolize more. Right. When they're ripening. <clears throat> um, I would say in you know veg and the first few weeks of flowering, I think CO2 is a great tool to have if sure. your rooms are dialed in and the humidity is high enough for it to absorb it and your heat's warm enough for it to use it. Um, but I've seen perfectly beautiful plants and rooms without CO2. And I've seen perfectly beautiful plants with CO2. And all things being equal, CO2 is better. Agreed. All things being equal. Agreed. So if you can get all things being equal or you understand your environment, everything's custom to your space. That's really what's important, is understanding your space. If right. you have an eight inch outtake and an eight inch intake, and you have 10 lights going, definitely use CO2. If you have two 22 inch intakes, <laughs> Good luck keeping it in there. So it, you may just be going for a different, you know, like let's say you're in Puerto Rico, where it's like you have to vent out so quickly because the humidity buildup is extraordinary. Sure. And you have to have like salt filters and all these other things. So Jesus. every room, every grow, every space, I know people that grow up in the mountains where it's always a little chilly, the room's sure. always chilly. Sure. Is the CO2 being used when it's ambient temperature 68? Put that burner in there. Heat it up, man. I would. Yeah, right? I would, yeah. Once again, CO2 for sure enhances the photosynthetic rate. So you're dropping yeah. some real science here. You're talking about the uh, amount of gas that things use, ethylene. Please under understand your room is the lesson. Yeah. Know your room. Know what's happening in your room. And understand what is my ventilation? How much, like you can do the math. You can figure out your cubic, you know, wall times wall times wall. And then what's like it's 800 CFM. Sure. All right. So... <laughs> How long is their turnover? You know? so, I mean, there is some, you know, errant science out there, some bro science, we'll call it, with regards to a lot of this There's stuff. There's a lot of actual incomplete real science, too, where it's just not out there. We're like, if you're looking for real science, right. you know, like, when I say real science, this things that are able to it's be produced science. in a lab, multiple environments, and proven that work. Good luck finding great science out there. What if I just say it's science? Does that work? Yeah, a little bit. It does seem to work a little bit. Um, following scientific methods are important. I think in this industry, you have to acquire information through multiple sources and you just got to find the best people that you know. And so just good growers, you're just qualifying. Like that's how you're, you're CEO well, now, right? You're not, I am. So you've got a whole bunch of other growers you manage, loving their eyes, one Correct. of them. Yeah. Um, so I have to delegate a ton of what I do. That doesn't mean I don't go in the grow, but sure. 
running the company was the first thing that I delegated. Um, the grow is always number one for me, but I can't do the daily day-to-days. It's not possible. We have too many spaces. We have too many places. Um, so I need to put in SOPs, train the right people. It's very slow. You know, it's at least a year to get someone up to speed um, minimum. And I can only expand as much as the talent allows me. So until actually I met Beth, like I wasn't even considering adding any more space. I was like, wow, she's good enough to just run it without any sure. micromanagement whatsoever. And she'll, if I say do A, B, and C, she'll be like, no problem, get it done. That's really rare. But as far as like running the company, you know, we have a lot of employees, you know, now, and I don't know how to do any of that. And I'm not good at it, even if I wanted to be. Well, we were talking about so, how valuable our teams are. That becomes the skill oh, after oh a God, while. It's, it's everything. <laughs> and here's the thing. It's a responsibility of when you own your company, it's your job. So as quickly as possible, doing it properly, delegate everything so you can actually think about what you need to do as a company. And then once you do that, your, your responsibility, and this is business school also, is to make your company sustainable without you. So you can hand it off. So sure. I mean, Jeff, Be- Jeff Bezos you know? just left, left Amazon. He's like, all right, you guys got it. You know? Um, With, you know it's like a quarter of a trillion dollars. Might be time for him to relax a little bit, you know? I don't know if he knows how, but but he's no longer at all involved in day-to-day with Amazon at all. Right. Um, Tim Cook with Apple is gone. Um, so, so, but, so what does my job, job be? Yeah, thank my you. My job now is about existentialism. It's about what do I want my company to be? Where, what direction do we want to go to? Where do we want to produce? What other countries? Uh, do we want to vertically integrate? Do we want to wait for banking to be changed? And then sourcing and finding out the talent for these like right now it's web design you know and i had to find people that i loved to design our website which phase one launches in january which yeah is, that's a big deal man it's a really big deal for us we're trying to create something that's never been available in any way and i'm i'm just trying to take over the industry you know just be honest let's just do it <laughs> like if you think of any space that exists you know like you don't beer whatever if you ask what are the best websites to go to, there's a very long list of cool interactive websites where you can learn about stuff and blah sure. blah blah. There's nothing in cannabis that's great. You may go for a specific thing, sure, but there's too much advertising. Let's start with that. But also, there's agendas and like forever, like magazines that were put out about nutrients were from the nutrient companies. We're taking a bunch of nutrient money. No, they were literally. Like Rosebud, like these are. Oh yeah, yeah. The actual that was publishers never uh, legitimate was to it? To whom? To who depends on who the customer is. Right. Someone's buying advanced nutrients. No, not really. I mean, yeah, they're I'm still doing you, well. I went, I went still the way to grow, and there was like a really? shelf of like six advanced. I was Probably like, new dude, markets. man, that's good. Yeah. That is what it is. But like, so well, why would you hit on them? Those are <clears throat> Big Mike was the first guy to come in and take real marketing and real sales to the cannabis industry. I mean, granted, it was cheesy as all hell, it was, but it was overpriced. Yeah, very much, and, and it was overly complicated. Specifically, he made it overly complicated on yep. purpose yep. and divided out more products. Um, I believe that was the wrong way for the industry. Yeah, it was It was a very douchey move. It was effective. It's, just, it's not like the nutrients weren't good, but uh, I just believe there's a lot better value out there now. And I think other people realize that as well. And it's less complicated and agreed. Now, a proprietary blend and secrets. And, you know, he also popped some tests for different PGRs and some of his stuff. and. Like imagine different that. products were popping PGRs at different times. Yeah, so as long as you're using that. the whole system, you're getting the same stuff. Right. You know what I mean? But like, 
you know, the, the menazides in one product, now it's in another product. Sure. You know, <laughs> but that's just the maturity of an industry. So in the, be- in the beginning, people were like, oh, you know what? He laid it out really simple. There's a system with 20 bottles and he tells you exactly how to do it. And each one's got a fancy color and a hot chick on it. And, you know, that's another thing. We don't do anything like that. Yeah. And he had a cheesy. All, ever. You know, I feel like this is an overly aggressive industry and it's not like. Um, there's a lot of marketing that I see. I feel it would be very off-putting to women where I'm not like trying to have some like, like we're not trying to contour to like modern pressures. I'm just trying to contour to a standard. Well, it's also your target audience. There's there's a lot of like names of crosses where I'm like, a woman does not buy them. Not a woman, but like the majority of them. You're certainly not bringing them into your brand. Right. So it's like, just by not being offensive, you know, like I even saw like, I'm not going to name the, you know, it's they won strain of the year last year for something. And it was a runs cross with something that started with C and that's what they called it. Mm-hmm. They just took the C and I'm like, dude, really? That's the hashtag. It was like, oh, there's a Z on it. So it's different. You're like, who are you You're trying, not in who England, are you trying man, to, all right? To, you know, like, you know, I, I so I'm because- trying to go towards a, um, a brand that just isn't off-putting to a significant portion of the industry. I was trying to think about it. We did some, I don't know, random metrics, whatever you want to call it. We found out that 90% of our audience was male. I think it was 95. Sure. I remember doing all those metrics. 94.6. Yeah. And that was, and that was ours originally. And now it's, it's, it's gone over the last three years from 95 to 65. Okay, because I think there's a theory, my theory behind it is back in the day, it took a very aggressive person that could afford to go to jail, break the law and afford to go to jail, or was willing to. Young men are more risk adverse. They're willing to take higher risk for less reward. It's a testosterone thing often. Sure, okay. Um, I know a a ton of women in the industry. Um, I know a ton of growers that are great. I don't think there's any disposition it's personality like you either have like this resilience and willingness to continue going or not but for sure it was the amount of people that were entering the industry was highly disproportionate to men but i don't think that's the case anymore and which is why like you know our following went from 90 to 95 percent male to female to 65 35 you know male to female right i feel like that's more um a reflection of where the industry is now. Maybe it's two to one versus it maybe it was 10 to one at some point. But um, we have a significant female following and very, very competent growers. And like I said, I'm not trying to like bring anyone in through my marketing. I'm just trying not to alienate anyone. Sure. Yeah. My marketing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's I, mean I don't even like green crack. You know what I mean? Same. Or shit like that. You Same. Know? And like, I don't want to sound like a prude, but like I, I won't. We're trying yeah. to legitimize this industry. I'm right. trying to legitimize this this plant. You right. know, as far as I got called a, a you know a druggie. My wife went to rehab for smoking weed in the in the late '80s, early '90s. So now a lot of people did, and the same person that sent her to rehab, her mother, is now asking me for edibles, and she's not. You know, you don't have to say it. She says it. I, I was wrong. I made a mistake. Well, I, I, I believe believe the propaganda. Well, everybody's against weed until someone they love has cancer. Isn't that the truth, man? Yeah, and then all of a sudden, that's on the first call. Yeah, but you know what they're not going to go and grab is green crack, whether it gives them great energy and a great buzz it. or not. You know? And here's the thing. it's it's um, <clears throat> That was named before there really was named a retail market. You right. That I mean? was just a... That's a, when a Snoop Dogg was promoting it, man. Yeah, but 
uh, once again, I'm just, um, I've never had a problem defending people. I enjoy it. It's fun for me. I'm totally cool with it. That doesn't mean I want to alienate future customers right. from getting my genetics because of some weird, like, oh, this is clever. Well, not everyone wants clever. Some people just want accurate, <laughs> you know? Um, and, you know, I, our company is also run by all women. Like other, yeah. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, top and bottom. Huh, very cool. Uh, design. So our web designer, two women, um, our primary design for all the packs and everything. She's a woman. Our COO is a woman, uh, head of our um, <clears throat> our expos and travel. It's a woman. Um, I hire the best person for the job. I found it to be an under... Uh, oversold, as they would say, in stocks. There was more talent not being utilized. Yeah. That and it came from the cannabis industry. You yeah, actually pulled talent outside the cannabis industry. Both, and so, so people who run my design, both both my design companies, right. have never worked with any cannabis companies ever. How that, about how about purpose. your growers? Are all your growers from cannabis? Do you have anybody from commercial ag or anything like that? No, no. Well, we have people that help us with like IPM. Gotcha. From ag, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that that's you know. Uh, we're uh, Zach from Biosafe. You know, I don't know if he's ag, but uh, he does my IPM. Um, they don't have any knowledge that applies to what we do, meaning the experience. Not that they may not have information. Yeah, but, but the they don't have the experience doing what we're. And also, what we do is niche. We're we're making seeds. We're not necessarily growing flour for consumption. Right. So a lot of what we do is different. Like we flush in eighteen six. Really? Absolutely. So, hey, so come, come on, give me some bro science here, man. So you're flushing in 18.6. How so long do you flush for bro you, science so, to flush or not to flush? For seeds to finish, they need to go pretty deep into flowering, say 70, 75 days. Okay. Well, all of their immunities drop off. So they can get things like fusarium and all of a sudden the plant will die and then your seeds are viable. And is that the end because they're senescing? They're slowly dying? Yeah. And they stop rooting around day 35, give or take. So all those roots are getting shittier but like i said it, it's they're shutting down so you go back to 18.6 root tips ignite they start shooting out the all of their metabolisms shoot through the roof right so they continue to feed at the rates that they were feeding at say week five of flowering and the seeds finish much more quickly and much more strongly and i don't have to worry about losing plants to fusarium or just weird diseases that pop up and you know, day 75, day 60, day, right. day 75, day 80, all kinds of stuff can happen. It's boom, plant's dead um, from wow. molds and mildews and things like that. that and then your seeds are garbage at that point, too? Yeah, they're unusable. So, yeah, so, like, we'll get a little tout, tout like, little shoots right before we harvest, just right. popping off somewhere. Re-vegging? Re but though, that just tells me there's new roots that have been outgoing, and, and but it raises their, you know, their um, resilience. It doesn't affect the seed at all. It improves the seed because they're metabolizing more quickly versus the metabolism dropping off as they're getting towards the end. Right. And then it's taking them longer to finish. And since you know some really great growers, you got any, we talk about like- Oh, so back to feed hunting. Yes. Real quick, speaking of great growers, uh -huh. I don't do a lot of my feed hunting directly. So that's the beautiful thing about Colorado is I can give 10 people between 10 and 30 seeds. Right. And they all have a spot. 
And I just go back around when they're finishing up. I'm like, yeah, let's keep this one and this one. So you're doing the final selections, though. Yeah. And then we'll bring them in and then run them again. But right. I often will have friends who just, will, you know, in and out of metric. <laughs> Some people metric run on 100 sure. seeds. Sure. And then, you know, we'll get the, you know, the clones out of there. So uh, we do a lot of pheno hunting, but our actual space, we do very little. I'd say only like 10% of our space is actually used. For beyond. And you've got a big commercial space. That's where you do your work in. Or are you we just have decentralized? Small spaces, yeah. and large. Man, running a large space is difficult. It's, it's not lot. large compared to like. So commercially, I would say it's somewhere in between. Because Colorado laws are just messed up. So it's all about plant counts. Right. So you can make a lot of seeds in a small area. And also, I have to do a lot of different batches of seeds to continue to keep our catalog up. So a lot of our grows are just people running six, eight lights, 12 plants who don't want to sell weed anymore. They'll just, they, I'll give them 12 plants to run. I go up, pollinate them and then I get the seeds back. And now they don't have like, you know, weeds cheap now. Yeah, like, selling I mean, weed isn't what, it, isn't what it used to be. Nobody wants to be selling weed in the black market anymore. So especially like not, not people ounce, my age, man. not people yeah. my age, you know? So um, it's just a, uh, a legal way for us to be able to take advantage of like, okay, you can have 12 plants, that's enough. Right. And you don't have to ever sell weed, just get rid of everything and we just get the seeds. And you know, I pay them what they would have been getting if they were, at, you know, like- Sure. But like 10 year ago prices. <laughs> hey. I'm just like, hey, you just run that, I just want the seeds. And so like in the biomass, I mean, there's nothing left anyway, there's nothing smokable, there's nothing left. Oh, when you make oh, seeds out of it? Seeded. Yeah, they're fully seeded. So your biomass is two, three to one seed to other material. When you say material. fully seed, I mean, you're getting hundreds of seeds off a bud or how's that Thousands. work? Thousands of seeds. Yeah, hundreds of seeds is about this big. What? Yeah. Man, let me get my tray out, bro. Most people don't produce enough pollen. Card, you know? They don't produce enough pollen or they don't properly pollinate everything. We defoliate everything and expose all of the pistols. So everything's actually exposed to the pollen. And then we'll hit them with pollen, you know, two, about twice a day, and we inundate them. We literally slap the plants up and down like paintbrushes with them, probably six, eight times over three days. And that's the only way to really fully pollinate. But the difference between a fully pollinated and a partially pollinated plant could be five, 10x in your yield. Um, so, so, but certain plants pollinate or make more seeds than other, like oh, a wrap on Mac Oh, is... the phenotypical <clears throat> variance in seed making is extraordinary. So some are just more fertile. We have to hit them way with way more pollen. Right. Um, some develop more slowly. Some are done in 20 days, some take 45. Uh, some just are not good yielders, period. They're just low fertility and they don't grow well. I've eliminated cuts completely because they're not good seed makers. They were good breeders. Right. Because as seed makers, I would just make enough of them to keep them and, and then get rid of them. But like, I have one that I keep, but I'll reverse it into other plants and use its pollen on better seed makers. But I don't even bother pollinating because it's hard to even get any viable seeds. Um, yeah, there's a lot of them that just aren't great at producing. So that's part of the pheno hunt. So like on the grandpa stash, we're down to like eight cuts and three of them are almost identical. So now we're going down to the best seed maker. Huh. So you, by the way, you're really high on this grandpa stash, huh? Well, remember you were actually high on it 
too. You, oh, a couple of, a couple uh, of years ago. Yeah, you're like, dude, that first time grower brought to me. And, you know, that. Have you noticed I'm not smoking weed on this show? <clears throat> yeah, it's because I'm so sorry, man. We I had such a talented grower, really interesting dude, person, dude. and all I cared about was smoking your that's weed. You dropped like 20 notes yeah, on the table. That's my fault. And all I got was like, hey, let's practice. This is really good, man. Purple skills. <laughs> so this is my yeah. make good. All right. Um, we're already good. I. So Grand Bust Ash is a big deal for two reasons. One, it was one of our most popular varieties, but the last two batches, and speaking of sometimes plants don't make good seeds, I messed up the reversals and it's a low fertility plant. So I didn't get enough seeds to actually do the release. So I've, this is a release that's been coming for like a year. Right. So this is finally actually getting it back out, but it's for outdoor or specifically outdoor people with short seasons, like it's their go-to. Uh, I've heard so much feedback that was extraordinary from like Washington, Maine. People were like, oh, this is the only thing I can grow. Right. Like, because it's that short? You pull it down, you know, early September. It's so fast. That's what I need. It has man. an incredibly fast trigger. And, um, you know, if they can't get stuff down before the rains hit, everything just molds up and dies. Sure. Um, it's pretty resistant, even though it's huge. But like it gets huge quickly. It doesn't stay huge for a while, you know, so it doesn't mold up. Got it. Like indoors, it's done like 54 to 56 days. And it was, uh, yeah, you were telling me about, we are talking just about grow styles and some some plants you want to top, some plants you just want to five week fucking throw. You were actually telling me about. Grandma Stash, I don't top at all because she's got really strong lateral branching. So like the under colas aren't, you know, the apexes are right below the, you know, the primary cola. Right. Some plants are incredibly, of course, grow vertical apexal. So you have to train them and get them out to get lateral branches. Sure. Some stuff's so lateral that I gotta clean it up and remove branches because it's trying to, you know, go too wide. So there's definitely different varieties that play into different systems better than others. Bro science versus real science. You see any difference in smaller plants as opposed to big plants as far as quality goes? You got a nice size of a plant. unequivocally a diminishing return on quality on bigger plants. Okay. Always. Yeah, I'm thinking that. I'm thinking that as well. And so, um, Corey Bufkin, basically, he nailed that. Everything he puts in cups wins. It's like, well, why? Well, he's got varieties that other people have. I've seen, I've entered the same prize and he can still beat me. Um, Was the fact that you're allowed to give it wet, dry, wet, dry more frequently, you think, is where you're able to get a little more control? Him, well, he also knew where to take, like, so he would grow plants, not top them, not too big, and get them to maybe it's like this much plant. And he would just take the nugs from right here. Like, go, he would go down below the top nug, and just take chunk, 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 chunk. And he's like, these are your highest, when you test them, it's going to have not your highest THC, but the highest overall everything. Like your higher THC than the lower buds, right. higher terps than the upper buds. And so it's like, there's an art to even finding the prime flowers on your plant. But just like in yield, if you go beyond, say, a five, seven, eight ounce plant, there will be a diminishing return in your yield. Because... No matter how big your canopy is, it can only go so deep. Right. Right? So there's right. a th three-dimensional brick. Think of your canopy like that. Yep. The best way to fill that brick is with colas that are three feet long and right next to each other. Sure. There's no training. And like I've seen people have these trellised out canopies that are amazing, but it's super shallow. It's all these medium, smallish buds. So when do you get larger plants? They are just simply not as efficient in, in their production. It makes sense. It affects quality. Even you just look at the stems up, you <clears throat> kind of stem, it's fucking hollow. It's got nutrient running through it as opposed to, you know, big giant tree. It looks like a tree stem. It's, there's, I think each variety kind of has its 
um, wheelhouse. You know, some varieties like being three, four or five ounce plants, some like being two ounce plants. Right. But because of plant counts, we've got distorted on how to grow these things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, the reality huge, is huge root and plants, fruit man. is the way to go. You Say know, it again? Root and fruit is the way to go. Just, you know, root it, give it anywhere from five to 20 days max, untopped, and flip. Like Dutch table method kind of thing. Yeah. But it, well, you don't have to clean them up. You don't have to train them. Just grow, you know. Sure. Is that the future of cannabis, you think? No plant counts. We're going to just see that? Well, yeah, there are there are people growing at scale that are doing root and fruit. Um, that's what those are the ones I was telling you are switching over to seed now. Right. Because they have so many clones that it's very difficult to have moms for 30,000 clones a week. Yeah, that's going to be a whole separate facility, I would think, huh? Well, I mean, it's, you know, depending on the size of the facility, but I saw one that was 20,000 square foot just for moms. And it was insane. It was ridiculous. It was all just pathogen farms. It was just huge, huge plants. You can't do that indoors. Right. So, Especially if the prices are coming <clears> down. <throat> You're not going to well, be able to do that. We're talking about like Florida and Canada and things like that where these are publicly traded companies. Right. Uh, I've never seen any of them get more than half pound light yet. Yeah, I have a well, buddy that's a grower. Well, they ran from seed. So sure. this was actually where I found out how much they were getting. I was like, oh, no. Like So we ran stuff from seed and they were just so stoked and they had never seen seeds before. They didn't realize they were big and Big stalks, big leaves. They yeah. Because like, they're used to the pith clones. Well, let's talk about that real quick. The difference between a seed and a clone. The morphology? Well, it's a taproot, man. Yeah. T- yes. Technically, that's part of it. But it's just a, a seed for the first few months is also producing a lot of its own food. Sure. I was so, almost going to wear my shirt that says I live yeah. off endosperm, but I didn't have the balls. Like even seeds <laughs> produce sugar. Like for like it's a, that's why it's alive versus like you know, a virus, which technically needs you know a host. Um so seeds just simply, so the morphology is very different. Like the growth nodes are, are um, parallel versus alternating, um, much thicker, larger stalks. There's a lot, a lot of vigor in the first two months of a seed that the plant is trying to survive amongst canopies of, of itself. Right. So it has to produce all, all of this type of vigor and, and thicker stalks that are also more pliable in the wind, things like that. Sure. So you get a type of vigor from seed that you just you lose from clone, period. If you can grow from seed, you know, flower five, six, seven, eight weeks in, you're going to get a much more larger plant, thicker stalks, larger flowers, right. period. Um, the quality kicks in more, though, with age. So, like, I have found, though, when I do, say, force flower, say, five, six weeks in, right. a bunch of seeds, there's less distinction and the quality isn't quite as good as when I clone it and do the first run. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Has to do with that age, it's development, you know? And, you know, seeds can't flower until they're about five, six, seven weeks old. They're not producing ethylene. Right. And they need, at least females need to produce ethylene to be able to do that. So they kind of have this state that they're in that maybe you've seen week two of flowering, maybe week two or three of, from a clone where they're just taken off where a seed kind of has that for four or five weeks. So it's just got that extreme vigor, you know, and um, as far as yields go, like there's nothing close to seeds, like just growing root and fruit from seed. But if you want more distinction, quality, I would say you're not, it, it does lose a little bit. Um, so there's good, there's ups and downs. Um, but the bottom line is that scale, it's just, you can't run from clock. It's just too much to manage. There's too many people to manage. Right. These people are untrained in the first place. So they have 200 employees. 
taking all these clones who never even worked in the industry. That's another thing, man. Yeah. I mean, I have a 20 acre bamboo nursery in Florida nice. and we hack bamboo up with steel spades, you know, big, yeah. big steel shovels. It's yeah. not a, a precise type of thing. And if I had to get those guys to start cutting me clones and dipping them properly and labeling them properly, it would be, it's just a Think different of type of person. and personnel. That's alone, a different personnel. The yeah. time. And so if you're going from seed, you don't have to do any of that. Also, that's 20,000 square feet that you can use for Sure, sure. Plus you have all these clones and all this money that's going in to personnel and everything. It's just, a, it's a huge waste. So why isn't everyone going from seed? Well, there's not enough homogenized quality seed out there. Yeah. So I'm, from the feedback that I've gotten, the only company that they'll use, because I have some varieties that are, are sexually stable. Right. And are homogenized enough to where you can put the flower in the same bag. It's There's slight differences here and there. And some might be a little more heavy on certain flavors, but it's one or two phenos. And if it's two phenos, they're similar. You know, just they yeah. might lean the other way. And so, Sorry, hey, I want to make a sexually stable T-shirt. By the way, just says sexually stable. Yeah, it's a good idea. I make sure. I, uh, <laughs> I just put. I just we just did a shirt that says violates community standards. That's going to be on our website this week. Yeah, perfect. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I feel like it's just a matter of time. Everyone will convert at least at scale to growing from seed when the seed is available that they can depend on because I've had clients where I'll sell them seeds for three months and I run out because they don't have enough to supply them. So I'm still trying to build up, you know, stock large enough to be able to get them to in the habit of being able to actually grow 30,000 a week, um, you know, because I wasn't able to supply everybody. Is this always going to be or an indoor industry? You think it's going to go to a greenhouse and outdoor? I was uh, talking to you about, uh, I was a while ago, but about trichome farming. I could control it. Yeah, it would be like depth greenhouses would be like I would move laws to promote sun grown. Sure. But greenhouse environment where you can still control the environment. Right. Because the sun's still the best period, period. You know, yeah. you can lower the nutrient like it's uh, under the sun. You can use 90 percent less nutrients. Right. Than indoors to get the exact same, you know. Maybe even more. Have you been to the Emerald Cup? I'm sure you have. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah I Josh D. Talk about OG. Brought me some OG Kush that he got, I think, second with a few years ago. And it just looked, you know, just like OG. And then I hit it. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I was standing it's next to so it. so good. It was outdoor. It was outdoor grown. Was I, so could, I was tasting all sorts of outdoor grown weed. Now, it did look a little different. It didn't look as boutique. It almost, the indoor sure. looks like somebody has been on juice and in the gym. Square millimeter. They're farther, right. they're farther apart because of the growth spurts they do outside. They grow more. There's more photosynthesis outside. Okay, yeah. So makes when sense. the buds better, are developing, they produce larger flowers that are a little higher to leaf bract ratio. Mm -hmm. um, but you can also avoid that with light depth. So it's like what it is is you're getting these 13 and a half hour days where they're not going in flowering quite as quickly. So it's more structural. But what do you, what do you think as far as quality? Stuff, well, it depends on what kind of outdoor we're talking about. Because like bottom line is, you know, if it grows under, you know, where birds fly. It's not totally clean. Sure. <laughs> you know, uh, there's dust, there's particles, there's smoke. From we'll call it guanos. I think that in general, um, most outdoors probably okay. But when I see tests come back as far as just molds, mildews, things like that, sure. that's actually a big problem. Um, more so than, say, dust or, you know, 
Bird shit. And what about <clears throat> what about the extract game as far as growing for extract? That's got to be a huge market coming up just because it's so easy. I don't say easy so to process. We just started. That's a big part of our phenohunt also, as I was telling you about, you know, choosing seed makers as part of the phenohunt. Right. Well, this last round with the grandpa stash, choosing the parents, we went with the best one that washed. And that's, you're looking at the actual shape of the trichome head there? Yeah. So we took, it was about 10 or so uh, keepers that were all pretty awesome. Then we had different people extract them through different methods. But I wanted water hash, you don't get as high of an efficacy. And the quality of the trike head and the quality of the trike comes through more, I think. So I was just including Beth, like, what are my yields? What give, You know, run them. And so... A couple of varieties were 2x, like, you know, they look the same. And the trikes looked a little different, but not that different. Right. But one, for some reason, one just washes way better. The terps come through, whatever it may be. So, and it's not trike shape or anything. It's trike not, shape definitely plays. It is. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, for sure. Larger heads, uh, skinnier necks, yeah. if you want yeah. just a nice, simple version. But there's all these in betweens. You know, like some like OGs have these like stocky, short, um, you know, stems and then huge heads. Chem also, which chem doesn't look that frosty, but if you look at each trike, it's all head, you know, versus like a, a frosty cookie, um, like form cut or Mac, it's all stock and the heads are just tiny. Really? Yeah. And so then you have a, a quality thing there too, because the heads are producing a higher quality, you know, hash than the stocks. Right. So I am not an extractor. So everything I'm learning is coming from other people, what they suggest. Sure. I bet I reach out regularly. I'm like, hey, what are you looking for? And so, but like when it comes to breeding, we are definitely factoring in when picking phenos, how well they wash and what their yields are and what, what the trice look like. And that's pretty, that's new to this year. And we're also just taking varieties that have just, people have told us wash well and we're breeding stuff for hash not from scratch, but just based on the varieties that have already done well for us. Right. Oh, that one's great for hash. Okay, well, let's use this one with the other one. That's sure. Great for hash. So, but once again, then there's different solvents that people use and they have different um, outcomes. So then there's total yield. Someone's doing, you know, BHO or, or propane. They may be looking for total yields. Sure. THC. Sure. Um, that might be a different variety than someone who's washing and looking for flavor and quality. So, but big trichets is definitely a huge skinny necks big heads right i like that yeah it's it's so much we're learning man there's like you know like one percent i think of like uh, well i mean like it was, in 10 years you know well, like, we were stuck i mean dude, the whole university system has actually been really helpful for us producing food or maybe it's been hurtful i don't know but it's up the it's up the yields a whole bunch starving yeah the food itself <laughs> yeah, is yes. questionable yes but the point is we there once there's money and you're allowed to Right. Shit, you're allowed to even have a... Jesus Christ, we're not allowed to put our money in a bank yet, think man. Of it, we, right. Let alone <laughs> study the synergy of terps with cannabinoids. Or, or find a very... Or how, yeah. or how these even work in conjunction with each other and why certain terpene profiles produce certain effects. You know what I mean? And yeah. There's all the different terpenes. It's like, it's almost like playing chords of music. It's like, well, if you play these together... It creates this effect. If you play these together and lime it in, it this effect. Where, sure. Where there's, we're just learning that these things exist, let alone having even tried to study what their real effects are and how to maximize them. And, you know, I, I, I smoked a, um, a vape pen a couple of years ago 
I'm surprised I haven't seen more like this where the two cartridges, one was for cannabinoids and one was for terpenes. And so the cannabinoids were just, it was just THC. Sure. So it was THC, isolate or distillate, whatever. And we put in a kosher kush uh, cartridge. It was straight up indigo. Oh, for, actually, no, first I smoked it on its own. I was like, eh. You know, it's just, it's like, it's okay. I'm like, I feel the effects. It, it, it's just, it. Carts are just like that. It, it was just, just the THC without any terps had like a very specific high that was not that pleasurable. Right. And it just, it was undistinct and just took the edge it. off and that's about it. Add the kosher terps all of a sudden it turned into a really nice indigo. I'm like, oh, I was like, oh, that's interesting. It was like a double chain. Then we put, yeah. Then we took those out and put in ghost train terps. And it was just a ripping sativa. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, that's totally a thing. Like, terps determine the effects. I'm sure, man. I have I have no information since then. Like, that's like, like that's. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a dude with a pen. You know what I mean? And it's like, right. that's my best source right now on the synergy, the synergistic effects of cannabinoids with terpenes. Great. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's it's the, the amount of research that we still need to do is over the next couple of decades is, is immense and we just need to be open to it. With a double-edged yeah. sword though, man, if we got super square university guys now that are funded by big business so they can make the next, you know, uh, you know, terpene pen or whatever and sell it at uh, Walgreens. Capitalism will that. still keep moving forward. We, Thinking like the craft beer type you thing. complain about the construct or you can do something about it. That's just life. So you can't get mad at progression goes forward that you don't agree with. I'm not mad, man. <laughs> you can counter it, though, with, let's say, for us, like with the multi-pass, we give out all these seeds. Well, in a couple of years, you're not going to be able to know if your genetics are genuinely organic because there's going to be non-organic, genetically, you know, engineered varieties. And all of a sudden, those are going to have seeds come out of them. And then there's just going to be this pool of, we don't know what's organic. So Genetic engineered varieties. Is that, is that starting? Oh, of course. They're starting. So you're talking about, like, uh, it, someone like Monsanto. Okay, engineering so, the PM out or engineering. Exactly right. So they'll take a gene from, say, tobacco right. of something that doesn't get powdery mildew. They'll switch out the gene or even just take the, the gene it needs to have powdery mildew. And so, yeah, it'll be pathogens first, I'm sure. Um, my job is to make seeds that can compete, that are at least sure. almost good enough. Sure. But I guarantee there'll be autoflowers because that's the only kind of seeds they sell. You have to buy your seeds every year from them for corn. You can't sure. make your own. Whoa. And but they make them cheap enough and good enough so people are like, all right, how much are this cheap? It's like, okay. Um, but there's no way to know once these varieties infiltrate. They could be in grows right now. There's nothing illegal about having them. It's just they're not doing it publicly because of the PR. legalities. Yeah. But they're way into doing it and they're very good at it and it's easy for them. So there's no reason not to create a plant that doesn't get pathogens. And then where does that go? Who knows? That's not my thing. But my job is to continue giving out to all our multi-pass holders, male, female seeds, where at any time they can just make more. Right. And they're all over the world now. So it's like, it's not up to one person. It's up to thousands sure. of people who have seeds. No, these are from back then. I know I can make more and get more organic. So we can proliferate organic seeds still, regardless. So we can complain about the construct saying, oh, they're going to genetically manipulate. Yes. Okay. So what are you going to do about it? Stop overgrow, stop, man. Stock, stock, stock up on organic seeds now and, and ones that you like. And, sure. And then you can always make more. And, you know, so there's going to be different markets that are going to deviate and, and, and come out of it. You, you mentioned autos. I mean, you, you really think they're the future? It's unequivocal. 
And that was a that was just a softball to you because you were telling me you're getting three harvests a year, man. Three three harvests outdoors. Outdoors, that's what I'm between saying. Between May yeah. and September. In Colorado. Anywhere. Yeah. Jeez. Absolutely. Man. And you're getting them in the driest parts of the season. Sure. Also, ours are, are actually catching up where there's no way you're gonna look at it and be like this is an auto. That's my and problem. Understand yeah. an auto, auto flower. Right. It's just a single gene. Versus a photo trigger. That's the gene. It's either an auto or a photo trigger. So we're getting back to Monsanto. Is that but these are just, no, these are just things that have occurred in nature for a very long time. It's all just cannabis. Sure. So just like any other cannabis, you breed it. It's just the challenge that for these, for a lot of people that I believe they haven't taken on is you don't have that prize clone because they're autos. So every time you breed, you have to run new seeds. That's a problem. Yeah. It's not a problem. Because it allows you to continue to breed and then pick the best out of that batch. And now we're going to use these. And now we're going to use it. That's what breeding is about. Better run a lot of autos, though, huh? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Fair yeah. enough. So, like, I'll, I'll say I'm doing a batch. I'll reverse several plants. Um, hit those into the group. And right. then afterwards, when we're done, I pick which ones I want to breed with. It only takes two, three rounds before you've doubled the THC. Literally. Like... Okay, here's our terpiest one. Here's this one. Then right. also different, you know, terps even pop up. Like, oh, I guess we got a great one now. And so my, you know, palette or whatever you want to call it, my my colors that I'm using to paint with keeps expanding every time I do another run. And then we'll often give away the the ones from the subpar ones just to, for people to go outside. But sure. Also that promotes us because you know. Yeah. And it's not that they're that much worse, but each round gets better. And so now we're five, six, seven, eight rounds in. And we have a bunch of stuff that's 30%. And I promise you, we'd not. it's just cannabis. So it's just, can you make cannabis better through breeding? Yes. That's it. Has anyone taken the time to do it? A couple people, not many. But I do see on Instagram, there's a few breeders out there, not even necessarily with large followings, where I'm like, oh, that's an auto. You're like, yeah, yeah. Like, so all it takes is effort. That's it. That's it. And I'm uh, just really disappointed that no one for the last 15 years has tried because they just got this, they sold the ones they had. But yeah, we're absolutely changing that. And it's not a grand thing. It's a super easy, of all the things we're doing, that's the easiest of them. It's just literally just taking the time, picking the best one. Right. Growing the seeds out from that one, picking the best one, growing the seeds out from that one. I mean, and, and that's the other thing is I can get all these different flowering times too. So each one, okay, I got the shortest flowering one. This one's even better for short. Okay, I got the longest one. Now we're moving towards sativas. Right. Sometimes a lime and it'll just pop up. I don't know, we're like a lime, literally like, so I'm like, okay, well now I can use this to make it, you know, with one of my cultivars. So to make, let's back this up a little. How do you make a cultivar, say Mandarin Sunset, into an autoflower? The autoflower gene is usually recessive. So you have to hit it twice. So Mandarin Sunset times whichever auto I choose. Then I do that again into the same auto. Now it's reinforced the auto gene, but now I've lost like 75% of the qualities from or cookies, from, yeah. Right. So now I gotta run a bunch of seeds, reverse ones, and pick the one I'm still gonna get out of hundred, say 25 are gonna be dominant towards that. So then you do an F2 of that and finding the one that's most has the most characteristics from the original sure. the other parent. Sure. You do that one more time when you're you're totally, you know, you're there. You have a representation of that cultivar. Now, the best thing to do is use an auto that's closest to it. 
So as I'm getting through, I'm like, oh, this one reminds me of this. Well, that's how the one I'm gonna use to make an auto. So right. if something grows out where it's super small and frosty, I wanna make cookies with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? If something all of a sudden has a bunch of fucking lime in it, well, I'm gonna make Durbin with that. So the more I run, the more tools I have to sure. make more varieties that are in my arsenal. Um, I'd say auto flowers are at least a third of our sales right now. And wholesale wise, I mean, outdoor, it's, I, I literally can't make enough. And it's feminized autos or just oh, regulars? Yeah. <clears throat> Most autos are feminized? That are out there right now, yeah. but it's cannabis. Right. So do you want to do mouthfeed? Sure, we can do mouthfeed mouth. Uh, but when people are running from seed, you know, from beginning, sure. obviously there's not a lot of place for the males. Yeah. Um, and also I can see a lot, there's more data points when breeding two females than breeding a male and a female, period. There's no uh, way to argue that. I have a female. This is the best cut ever. There it is. Right. We can tell you all kinds of different expressions. These are data points. It smells like this. It does this. When sure. You, okay. When you have a male, there's a lot less data points. You can maybe smell it. You can see how it grows, morphology. But as far as expressions, you're extrapolating, you're guessing a ton. So if I take a male with 10 data points and a female with 50 data points, it's going to take me a lot longer to get good varieties out of Sure. Versus when I know exactly what this female does, and I know exactly what this female does, it's super easy. <laughs> hey, what's the right yeah. terminology? When you uh, apply colloidal silver or whatever, you, you, are you reversing, reversing the Is that reversing? That's reversing yeah. it? You're taking would, a female, yeah. making it into a male? Transitioning it into uh, different sexual expressions, which is a natural thing in, in, with cannabis in nature to some extent. Uh, almost like I have a male right now that I'm using that's got pistols coming out all over. Right. That means it's a high ethylene male, which means it's good for sexual stability. Um, but then I have some um, females that, well, okay, let's back it up again. Start with, say, like a uh, chem dog, chem D. Sure. There's herm traits in that. If I keep breeding that, and if I want to keep those chem qualities, I'm also going to keep those herm qualities. Herm qualities, sure. Because I've tried and doing this for seven, eight years with chem now, and I can't do it. Because the closer I get to getting it to be pure chem, then it gets back to these traits. All these plants carry certain dominant traits, certain recessive traits. And that's what this is always about. And the more you stabilize the genetic, stabilize not being sexual stability, but stabilizing means not a polyhybrid, it's not a cross of three unrelated sure. varieties. You're back crossing it or making F2s, F3s, whatever it may be. The more stable it is, the more consistent it breeds. So you take an F1, it's gonna breed all over the place because it's just been crossed with new genetics. Sure. You're gonna see traits from its grandparents, its great-grandparents, it's gonna be all over the place. Gotcha, F1 gonna take a lot of variation. Take an F4 done properly, if directionally bred, it's going to be much more dominant in its the traits that the cut itself has. Sure. So you can look at the cut and be like, ooh, that's what you're gonna get. Versus you get random cuts that are F1s or just, just, or just random crosses, they don't necessarily breed the way they are because they've got all the traits of their grandparents and great-grandparents that aren't stabilized yet. And then the end goal of if you're of stability is making an inbred line, which stability is stability defined in ag. Stability is defined in ag. Like so, if you look at agriculture, like define what is a seed, what makes it stable, is that it breeds ninety five percent or ninety seven percent, depending on the type, pure to its genetics in any environment. So if you make an S one of a hops plant, and you grow out a hundred of them, ninety five of them are going to be identical, and then five of them are going to be a little. A little different. Got it. That's genetically stable. It's going to breed the way it is and 
it's that's it's a it's a numeric score that you can send to a lab. You can take a cut from your plant, right? Send it to a lab that does genetic stability, and it's going to tell you from one to hundred how stable is it. Hundred is oh my god, hundred percent stable. That means if you were to S one it, they'd all be identical. And then when you breed it, those genes come through every single sure. time perfectly. Sure. In cannabis, anything over fifty is amazing. Um, like yeah, it's like some most stuff's like 10, 15, 20. So if you were to S one like say so, I'm not, I don't want to use someone else's variety, just variety A. That's just kind of a bag seed or an F1 from something. It's a good variety. Right. If you were to just S1 it just to see how it's going to come out in its breeding, you may only get 10 or 15 that are identical to that cut. You're probably going to have 70 that are just some variation of it. Wow. That's how it breeds also. So I like to S1 a plant just to see how it will breed. So I do 30 to 50 seeds. Right. I can see how, how close is it to the actual variety. Like you know, Durban. Start with you ask one of Durban. Everything's Durban. There's no ambiguity whatsoever. That's like a 70. It's like one of the highest scores out there. Sure. Stability. Sure. And all those traits are dominant. So like you might get different sizes of Durban. You may right. get different lengths in so the stem of Durban. Smell, you may get some that's got more limonin than the other ones. Right. But they're all Durbans. You know what I mean? Right. So that's for cannabis, what I would call stable relative to what's around right now. Um, my job right now, what I'm going for is something in that range, 70 to 80, because without actual lab testing, because now, now, so let's say we get to 80. Now you want to send, literally just take a cut from everything, send it to the lab, see what's most genetically stable, and then breed with your most genetically stable variety. And we're able to do that. The labs are, are open and, and we've got good uh, information yeah, coming out of them. You can literally send any tissue to a genetic stability lab and they'll do it. Wow. Even ag, like they'll, they'll do stuff with cannabis. They don't care. But there's like, uh, like you know, CU does it. They've got a lab. Huh. It's amazing. Um, These tools are open to us now, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now they're expensive and like it's not like, I've only done a few tests. I've done less than 15, right. 12 or so. But they came out about where I thought they would be. So I have a pretty good feel for understanding. Yeah. Quantitative, so it's like yeah. Certain varieties, because these are all varieties I've worked with enough to know how they breed. And so like the number would come back, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. 30 or 50 or you know, whatever it may be. Um, my end game is with the end games, these varieties is back cross them enough in, in directional breeding to get them in that 70 to 80 range where sure. it's one stable. pheno, but variations of that pheno. Super stable. I guess eight for out what's of 10. available, yes. I know my friends eight out of eight out of ten days that they're stable. They're pretty stable, right? <laughs> yeah, it's well. <laughs> um, this is how messed up are those two yeah, days? That's one you know, weekend. Are they straight actually. herms on those other days? You know, <laughs> or are they just like not so turkey? You know, oh, shit. Um, you know, it's like we're we're in a fledgling industry with yeah. fledgling tools, and absolutely, and we're all just doing our best with what we've got. And even like the, you know, the genetics and whatnot, that's just coming up right along with, you know, in regular ag or whatever. Just I'm trying to catch up with 1950s ag. I'm trying to catch up with where we were in the 1950s right. with our agriculture. When I talk to people in ag, they don't understand what I'm doing because it's so stupid that they have never had to think about it. Like we're so, they're so far past. Right. They don't need to stabilize varieties. Everything they use is stable already. So you want to make a new tomato, you get two different stable tomatoes sure. across them. Sure. Remember that chart with so, uh, basil, green and purple basil? It shows four phenotypes. You got one green, one purple, one half and half, and the other half and half the other way. And people are like, oh, that's how breeding works. It's like, 
with two stable varieties. That's green, stable, purple. Got it. You do that with two cookie crosses, you're going to have blots of green and pink and red all over. Sure. It. Little, like, you know, look like some sort of modern art. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to find that consistency. And it's, it's easier now because I have enough tools in my arsenal that I have stuff that's somewhat stable. But also almost everything I have now has similar relations, 25% related, 50% related. Sure. And that reduces on new crosses because they're kind of a back cross, but there's not proper terminology. Um, so there's a lot, I'm, I'm weaning down and mitigating variety based on partial relations and going in certain directions. Right. Not bringing in completely new stuff. And so, yeah, that's the goal. Get there in the next year or so. What are these? What are, what are these that you brought for me? I'm, I'm, this is the part where I ask you what we should be looking forward to. What, what's your so next drop? So two of them are Grandpa's stash R2s. And now these... R2, for those who don't know, that the terminology is the same thing as an F2. The term would really just be RF2. Okay. It's just a reversed F2. Okay. That's all. So I reversed my Grandpa's stash number 12, which was my favorite all around. One of those is the number six, which is my headiest one. That's I, I Chem Dog this. Fino. This one says super heady, Chem yeah. Fino. I mean, and then this one just says is. beast. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it. I need notes, you know? So, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that beast is it's massive, massive. And then um, the other one is uh, Grandpa Stash times my endgame punchline, which should have some nice, interesting. So that's going to, these are going to be. Thank you for these seeds, by so the these way. these two are going to be very homogenized. Right. For cannabis. Meaning. Eight or nine out of ten are going to look almost identical. Okay. And then you're going to notice different nuances and flavors and a little bit, you know. Um, but the original R1, these are already partially, they're already 50% Afghan going into this. So there's not a ton of new, it's OG Kush, Afghan, and so, and Super Skunk. So the Super Skunk is already a double Afghan back cross. Skunk times Afghan times Afghan. Okay. The other one was an Afghan OG. So like even the original cross, there was not that much variation. Because they're really already related. So now these, even though it's just an R2, I would put those at least an F4 as far as like, we're down to maybe two phenos and like they're similar. Right. And like from a distance, you can't tell the difference. And then, but then you have an actual F1 or R1, which is the grandpa stash times the end game punchline, where that maybe only shares maybe 10 or 12 and a half percent genetic material. So there you're going to have three or wow. four phenos, but really cool original stuff. And you might find a cut in there that's totally distinct and cool to you. Yeah. You're like, oh, this real is cut. genuinely <laughs> different than what someone else has. Well, you're not going to find something that different in these R2s. Got it. So Got like it. everyone's going to get about, but that's the goal there. So we release both types of varieties. And that's what I was saying, seed making versus breeding. Sure. This is a breeding project. That's a seed making project. It's going to turn into a breeding project. Got it. I'm going to find the ones out of there that I like the most. Back cross some in the grandpa stash. Back cross some in the end game. And then we're playing. Gotcha. When I say I, I mean we, man. You give me enough to give away, huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, See, I mean, I, am always... I going to get in trouble if I give some of these to the patrons? No, please do. All right, deal. No, that's why I brought them. Uh, also, like, whenever you have something, there's always something like, you, know, you don't oh. feel like a jerk. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And these are femme? Yeah. Oh, hell and yeah, man. sexually stable as well. So... It's yeah. beautiful. Hey, you know, if I'm looking at a catalog or if I'm looking to see what's new or what I should buy from Ethos, what's exciting, man? Anything Endgame. Endgame R2, Endgame Punchline are just extraordinary. Um, they're just 
they check all the boxes. That's the whole point of what, what right. is the, what's your end game? It's like, right. well, I want yield. I want quality. I want flavor. I want vigor. They're, they're both just extraordinary. Um, it's a combination of Manor and Sunset, Form Cut Cookies, Holland OG, which has got Deadhead OG in it, and the white. Um, Purple Punch, Cherry AK. So those sounds are like all different parents. Sounds like it was a parents. party, yo. It sounds like one of them weekends. But now we've worked it all back to these are homogenized versions of like, so like the Endgame punchline is very much like the, the Cherry Punch because it's been back crossed now. It was crossed with Cherry Punch and then back crossed into Cherry Punch. So it still has a lot of the Ethos Cookies um, qualities in it, which are all those other ones I said that are in it. Right. Um, but it's very dominant towards Cherry Punch. Like from Symbiotic, you know, that's, you know, I just, it's a great cut. So that's going to throw down super, super turpy, just perfect chunks. You know, the R2 is bigger. Um, it's just a monster cookie with cherry and strawberry and blueberry turps. That's just ridiculous. I love it, man. I love it. Where were you? How did they find you? How did they, uh, how did they get your stuff? So you're self-distributed? No. We have 65 distributors. Um, 55. I don't do that. So they're on our website. Sure. Um, ethosgenetics.com. And that's the same website that will be launching in the new website, the same uh, address that will be launching the yeah. new website yeah. in January. But for now, yeah, you can go on there and just go to the distributors tab. Beautiful. And uh, it's got everybody listed on there and stuff like that. And no matter where you are, we're all the continents. I love it. Except for Antarctica. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. They can use recharge. don't there, smoke so. weed, apparently. Yeah. They certainly don't grow it. We'll split like a freighter there or something, man. You know, I, we'll I, get Red Bull, man. Red Bull should want to grow weed on Antarctica. Yeah, right. I think they would. Let's <laughs> Chinese government into it. Let's just let's do it. Uh, I don't I think it. it's logistically intelligent right now. I tell you what, man. I want to do. Uh, you, this has been an amazing session. I've got, Thanks, as with always, I have a little bit to absorb. I have to watch myself back now. <laughs> we could do follow up stuff. We could always do one. You could watch it and come back. And I like, do. Okay. So what were you saying about? Oh, I watched the last one we did yesterday. I just I had to turn it off. I was like, that Scotty guy is so annoying. <laughs> I I cringe more at the stuff that I do than anyone else does. I <laughs> uh, you know, you were saying there's not much on there. Uh, I feel I feel like there was like a blunt talks I did that like I'm yeah we del- you said on there. deliberately you don't have a lot of uh, I didn't media want to put out some online subpar incomplete information yeah and I was waiting and so now that we have the magazine and we're launching the website and we're doing all this content and here's the reality of it I'm on my fifth or sixth Instagram account you know yeah. and I just got warned again today that I'm going to lose it so yeah. I, you know it's like I get 100,000 70,000 50,000 followers and then lose it's it frustrating bro so that's why I'm building this platform for us where it was after I lost my first Instagram account right. probably a couple years ago I was like all right I need to build the platform for all my posts all my information all the people that I know share that and that's going to be a lot more than that but that's where the magazine kind of came out of. And that's where this website's coming out of. It's just because Instagram is just not friendly. It's just not. And there's nowhere to go. There's yeah. just nowhere to go. So we want, you know. I love it. Uh, keep me informed on the, what Ethos, uh, first off, the magazine's cool. Multipass but... magazine. Yeah. So like we just finished. Ethos uh, website. Man, when's that thing going to launch, bro? Phase one is January. And we'll have phase two and three out March, June. But we're going to continue to expand it to where it's not the best website you've ever been to, period. I'm going to be super disappointed. Huh. All like, right. That's literally like the goal. I was like, I was like, sure. We're, we're going to Apple, like, and like, 
tech sites. So that's like spinning stuff on it and blinking. It's fully and... engaged gamified. So it's like you come into like our universe really? and you got to jump to like, you want to go into this, you got to jump over to the planet and like, like all the options are there. And it's also, there's going to be like, like full. Is it fungible? Virtual... Oh yeah. And no, it is. No, we have a, we have a gallery. We have art gallery. We're putting up, <laughs> really? Yeah. A full like interactive art gallery where we're going to have all kinds of different cannabis art numbered pieces. All right. NFTs, various things like that. But, um, yeah, so it's I not. still can't get used. The listicle is one of my new favorite words, but fungible that just mean? beats the hell out of that one, man. Well, doesn't that just mean replicatable? I don't know. I just, just like saying it. Man. It just means you can make a copy. Yeah, we'll have to Copyable. get into that. I'm, I'm this close to understanding what, means. what it means NFTs are, man. Well, that's non-fungible. Right. You can't make a copy. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'd rather learn about seeds and breeding. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching, like, actually websites or uh, podcast for a year and all that and i'm like three percent closer to understanding it. right still i'm like all right right yeah well bro i'm a hell of a lot closer to understanding breeding genetics uh what makes a good breeder i appreciate it man and appreciate it i'm gonna hang on i'm gonna hang on and go to uh ethos.com and start a lot of articles from this are on there right also i'm gonna uh I don't know if I could even be a spokesmodel there. Maybe I could just spokesmodel. Just be like, just like on a billboard. Yeah, I don't even want to talk, man. You know, I don't want to, people will realize I don't know anything. Show one man. person will write in the comments. We don't want you to talk. You You got me. <laughs> yeah, Scotty is dumb. Best hashtag, brother. Yeah, I feel like if you self if you're self deprecating, mm-hmm. then they can't take you down a notch. It's just oh, yeah. like like uh, Chael Sonnen's name of his podcast is Bad Guy Incorporated. So you can be like, he's kind of a bad guy. Like, dude, the name of his podcast is Bad Guy Incorporated. Like, you just own it. Right. Own, own your cringe. Yeah, you know that's I mean? true. Just be yourself, man. You're not going to be perfect to everybody. It, I had to learn this doing the podcast dude. that not everyone's going to like me, man. And I can it's try, true. but it ain't going to work. So I'm, I'm used to that anyway. Because I don't try. I'm not really one of those people that tries to get people to like me. I'm more direct. And, sure. But I want people to enjoy, like, the information I'm putting out, you know what I mean? Well. But like, you cannot attach yourself to what other people, what people think of you is none of your business. It's true. It's their reality. Now, I'm not talking about your loved ones and like, sure, (laughs) that matters. Nah, but everybody's on their own track. But like Instagram comments and stuff like that. Yeah. You don't know where they are. Do your best. Like, look, the fact that you went back over it and you're able to say, hey, I could do better. That's it. Absolutely. That's the whole process. Well, that and my breeder too, brother. You know, just have fun doing what you're doing. That's the truth. You know, we wouldn't, if I thought, look, I can already go back and tell you there's 20 different things I would do different with this magazine. But you have to have the courage to put it out and be like, that wasn't the best. It was all right. But I guarantee by our 10th issue, we'll be pretty dialed in. And I look back this kind of comically and be like, that was not really even really a magazine. Oh, you know Jesus. what I mean? But that's just how we're going to do it. I had to erase a video of mine. It had half a million views. And I'm sure most of them were like, ah. it was like how to trim for bigger buds or how to shape your plants for bigger buds. I, I had great title. Yeah. Maybe nine, 10 years ago, I made it. And I was embarrassed, man. And I was embarrassed what the plants looked was like. What my grow looked like. Not really. Ah. I don't know. I didn't like my hair, so I deleted it. <laughs> <Something> <laughs> 
I don't have any, so I have to worry about it. Yeah, I'm getting there, brother. I'm getting there, man. man. I appreciate everything. Yeah, thank you so much. It'd be cool if we could maybe uh, keep the camera on or keep things going for the patrons a little bit, man. I'd love to. As a matter of fact, we're not allowed to smoke or show too. I guess we can show some weed, but let's do a little smoke session for the patrons, brother. Sure, yeah, as long as it's not going on YouTube so they can no way, tell me that man. I violate community standards. No, nope, no, nope. YouTube gets their share, and patrons, thank you so much for the support. You're about to get your share, so tune on in. Nice. All right, take it easy, all y'all. Colin, you're the best, brother. Thanks. Appreciate it, man. Right on. Some people love to blaze up the deck. Yeah, we get happy for noon. With the boss man's to take a little break That means we're lighting up a dude